Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Dodgers, go! Hello, everybody. Happy Saturday. Welcome to The Walkthrough with me, Jamie Hoyle. And as you can see, I have a guest this week. His name is Mike Debate with Locked On Patriots Podcast. Mike, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Oh, anytime, my friend. Thanks so much for having me on today. You're very welcome. I appreciate you coming on last minute. I know we're going to have some fun today, so let's go ahead and get into it. Let's talk about this Chargers-Patriots game. Um, I thought I'd start with a question about Bill Belichick. Um, sure. Not so much about Belichick possibly winding up with the Chargers, but more, you know, I think we learn more about people in bad times than we do in good times. And things have been a little rough for the Patriots the last couple of years since Tom Brady left. So I was curious what you feel like you and the Patriots and Patriots fans have learned about Belichick, about Bill Belichick in the rough times in terms of drafting, developing, coaching, What's been what's been going on behind the scenes? What what have you learned about him as things as times have gotten a little rougher? 
Oh, that's a good question. Uh, and I like the way you phrased it because not many people phrase that question like that. It's usually what went wrong in New England? What's the problem with Bill? Things of that nature. Asking it about where what we've learned here in New England about Bill Belichick since Tom Brady's departure, um, I don't necessarily think it's anything that we learned uh, ill will toward Bill. I don't think all of a sudden the curtain was pulled back and he's the fraudulent, great and powerful laws behind the scenes. And it was all Tom Brady that was responsible for the dynasty. I think what, sh what it showed, though, is that these two entities coming together in arguably one of the greatest coaches to ever uh, coach in the NFL and arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL coming together at the right time was a synergy that led to a two-plus decade dynasty. One without the other was not going to be able to get the job done in that level for that many years. So what we learned about Bill Belichick is there were mistakes that were made along the way. And a lot of them were, I don't want to say covered up, but they were essentially erased by having someone as good as Tom Brady calling signals under center and directing that offense, especially maybe some of the miscues or maybe some of the misfires when it came to drafting offensive weapons or bringing guys in that could help, um, you know, Brady essentially some of those moves were good ones. Obviously, the move to bring in Randy Moss was a successful one for New England, drafting Rob Gronkowski in the second half of the Patriots dynasty. But for all of those, you have some of the misses as well. And there's, you know, definitely a few blemishes on Bill Belichick's record. But in terms of the X's and O coach, Bill Belichick, I don't think the bad times revealed anything new about him um, that we didn't already know before. This guy probably has forgotten more football in his sleep than most people will learn in a lifetime, and that hasn't changed. But the one thing that you're seeing now is the struggle when you don't have the supporting cast around you and the guys that buy in to the Patriot way that they've had for the last two decades. You don't have Tom Brady leading them in that locker room anymore and getting them, uh, I don't want to say fired up, but essentially getting everyone all on the same page. Yeah, that's a problem. So... Is Bill Belichick good enough alone to be able to resurrect the dynasty without the solid supporting cast of players he needs to coach? No, I think you're seeing that now. But I also don't believe that it's a situation where he's being exposed uh, because you hear that a lot, especially in the national media. Um, Bill Belichick is still a very intelligent football mind. And no matter where he coaches next year, uh, whichever team is going to be subject to that wisdom in council, <laughs> as I like to say on Locked On Patriots, it's going to be a fortunate team. So you mentioned something. You mentioned the buy-in, uh, mm -hmm. buying into the Patriot way. And I'm curious, do you think that the NFL has evolved to the point where maybe you're not going to get players of this generation to buy into the Patriot way? Do you think they can still make that happen? Or has it have they reached a point where maybe they need to move on and find a new Patriot way? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think you have to adapt with the times. The Obviously, the modern athlete is a little bit different from that which was coming up and maybe a rookie or hungry to be able to latch on to a team that had a chance to win a championship. You're not finding that as much anymore. It tends to be more individualized than it does for the team concept. And I think that's across the board in all of professional sports. But if you have the right person at the helm as a player now, I'm not necessarily talking about as a coach, because the coach can give you all of the wisdom and the counsel that he can possibly give. But if you don't have a player that's commanding the respect of everyone in that locker room and is getting everyone to buy in and believe in it, 
it's never going to work. Um, I do think there are some circumstances in the NFL where the Patriot way could still work when you have someone that is like a Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City buying Andy Reid's type of, uh, um, of leadership. Um, I'm not saying that they're like for like. I'm not comparing Andy Reid to Bill Belichick, but that type of discipline and that type of way really requires the proper captain at the helm to be able to get all his teammates on the same page. That's going to be the challenge for New England. I'm not necessarily sure that the players that are playing today would buy into the Patriot way. And to tell you the truth, I'm really not sure they should. It may be um, that the game has passed a little bit for that specific system to work. If Belichick is going to evolve, he needs to evolve with the times as well. So I think it really is a little bit of both. I think most of it can still be effective in the NFL because the tenets are pretty much the same. Winning at all costs, team first, always go out there, give your best, do your job, and be versatile. But at the same time, that type of extra discipline that you put in that layer on top can rub players the wrong way. And I think you're seeing that in New England right now with the lack of success they've had since Tom Brady has left. Yeah, you know, I think you make a good point about evolving. Um, I think the league is evolving. And I guess the question is, if he's going to coach somewhere else, whether it's the Chargers or wherever it might be, is Belichick, does he want to evolve? Is he able to evolve? And where do you go from here? Because I think you're seeing some things from Patriots players right now that you never would have seen in the past 20 years. Things like Jabril Pepper saying this team is ass on the field, things like that. That never would have happened. It never would have flown. Brady would have cut that down in a heartbeat. It just seems like in this day and age, in this generation, you know, players are looking for clicks. They're looking for they're looking for people to catch their brand, to to pay attention to them as individuals. I, is Belichick capable of evolving in that way and dealing with those kinds of players? Having covered Bill for the last six years now here in New England, yeah, I do believe he can adapt. Look, it's going to be a departure in philosophy from him. Bill came out as one of the least interested social media active coaches in the NFL, maybe in you know since the advent of social media. Uh, when you get up there and you start referring to it as snap face, you're not exactly uh, you know sending it a Valentine. I think we can all tell what Bill Belichick feels about that type of self-promotion. But I also think that he realizes, especially over the last couple of years, that it's so important to the players that are now coming up through the system, younger players that, like you said, want to increase their brand. And they should. That's exactly the type of society in which we live. So naturally, the game has to evolve. Coaches have to evolve. And Bill is smart enough to realize that if he's going to get a team to buy into his philosophy, even if it is a watered-down Patriot way from what we've seen in the past, he needs to evolve. So I think he's smart enough to realize that. Now, the question is, is whether or not even that watered-down type of Patriot way, that watered-down type of disciplinary um, faction that uh, uh, this team has always had the reputation of being would go somewhere else. And that's where I think it goes back to having right players at the helm. Veterans that have been in the system before understand where Bill is coming from and help him to be able to reach the guys in that locker room. And then when you have a strong presence, an alpha presence as a captain or a quarterback or someone that can get everyone on the same page, that's where you're going to see it work. To be honest, you have a lot of those elements in Los Angeles. You've got a good, solid veteran team. If they keep it together, guys like Bosa and Mac on the uh, uh, the defensive side of the ball. On offense, 
Justin Herbert, even though he doesn't have a reputation as being necessarily a vocal leader, um, you know, a la someone like a Brady who's going to get in your face or whatever and make sure that you toe the company line. He's also developed enough cachet just from his talent alone. People are going to listen to him. New England doesn't have that right now, and they don't have that leadership coming from the players. That's why I think you're seeing the Belichick system falter so much this year. Um, so, yeah, there is a little bit of evolution that needs to happen from the coach, but I also think the players need to buy in as well. And maybe that's why everyone has come to the realization that, you know, the Belichick era in New England may have ended. If he is going to continue his football journey, he may have to go elsewhere in order to sell that type of message. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, you know, people buying in and kind of Brady elevating the people around him. Um, who's doing the elevating for the Patriots right now? It certainly isn't the quarterback play. So who, who on the field, whether it's offense or defense is making people around them better right now? Uh, well, I would say it mostly comes from the defensive side of the ball. Uh, believe it or not, the guy that was under fire pretty much all week long has been a very quiet leader in that locker room, and that is Jabril Peppers. He's led by example. He's led by his play on the field, solid, aggressive, never giving up on a play. Those are things that Patriot players were always noted for in the glory days, guys that would always do their job no matter what job was given to them, whether it be playing in the box or whether it be playing at the free or whether it be moving up, playing a hybrid linebacker or even a defensive back. This is what Jabril has been doing all year long. So I look at him as someone that can lead by example. Obviously, the alphas in the room are still the old guard, the guys that won championships in New England, like a David Andrews as a center helps keep that offensive line together. Matthew Slater, the special teams ace, who I believe will be a Hall of Famer someday. His prowess and his reputation has allowed him to reach players that maybe other guys don't have the ability to. But you've got a lot of young leadership on this team. I want to say leadership buds that are there, but not necessarily blossomed yet. And that's what they were looking for, I think, from the quarterback position this season. Unfortunately, just the play all around them and injuries and difficulties connecting with the coaching staff has really led to the product you're seeing on the field right now for New England. Talk to me a little bit about the quarterback play. I, you know, I've watched their last three or four games. Um, it wasn't much fun to watch. <laughs> um, what... It seems like they were relying on the offensive line and the skill players to elevate the quarterbacks, but that doesn't yeah. seem to be happening. And the quarterbacks aren't elevating anybody. So what, what are the quarterbacks doing? Well, what are they not doing? Well, um, what, what do you expect from these guys on a week to week basis? Well, that's been the problem. We really don't know what to expect from these players on a week to week basis. There have been seedlings of success that you've seen throughout the season Mac Jones leading a touchdown drive against the Buffalo Bills to win the game in week seven almost made people start believing that maybe there was a starting caliber quarterback that could lead this team back to prominence. But we've seen so little of that this year. It's been mostly inability to make sound decisions when most needed. That's been leading to a foundering, especially of Mac, because he's been the starter now in every game to date, with the exception of the one that we're going to watch tomorrow. It's led to a foundering of his confidence. And because his confidence is shaken, his mechanics have been off. His footwork has been sped up. He's not playing in the same rhythm with his offensive line, his running backs, and his pass catchers, most importantly, which has led to ill-timed throws. Either the throw arrives too quickly, too late, um, not on the spot. 
Um, I won't put all of it on the quarterback because there are difficulties with the receivers as well. Guys are not running the correct routes. Um, it's led to a, an abysmal showing on offense for New England. And when you're reliant on an offensive line to block and the running game to get going so you can facilitate play action, which is where your quarterbacks are at your best, the offensive line has been in flux this year as well. A lot of injuries to a lot of key players, Trent Brown, Cole Strange, Riley Reef. These guys have all spent time on the injured list. Michael Wainu moving over to the right tackle position has been a very good move for New England. It's the only reason why you're seeing the running game wake up a little bit. But other than that, it's been very, very few and far between that we've seen any signs of life. And they keep turning the ball over early. And especially in Mac Jones's case, he seems to be a quarterback right now that is heading into a snap, heading into a huddle, anticipating something going wrong each and every time. If that is indeed the case, and reports around the team say that's the general consensus, yeah, it's not a surprise why they're pulling him and they're going with Bailey Zappi this week. It's not so much because they see so much in Zappi that leads into confidence that this guy could be our future. I think it's the only move they have to make right now. Zappi may give him a little more confidence, a little more consistency this week, but he hasn't exactly shown uh, you know, the world that he's capable of carrying the reins either. It's just not easy times in New England right now. It's difficult. And uh, outside of New England, I know no one is shedding tears for them, but um, from someone that's covered this team in good times now and in bad, it's tough to see a Bill Belichick coach team playing as such. But, uh, you know, it's the hand they were dealt and the hand they kind of dealt themselves as well. Yeah, I I was really blown away by some of the throws that Mac Jones can't make, that he's struggling yeah. making, particularly throws outside the hashes and outside the numbers. Uh, you know, intermediate and deep outs that are just floating. It's like he's yeah. aiming them. He's not throwing them with any conviction. Um, he just looks lost throwing anything other than a slant or a post or some kind of an angle route. There's just not any confidence or com comfort at all with what he's doing, throwing the ball outside of the hashes and really outside of the numbers. Yeah. And I think in a way you're absolutely right on the money and what opposing teams are doing is they're picking up on that. They're seeing that Mac is not handling pressure. Well, whether it be pressure from the middle part of the uh, defensive line, the interior, or whether it be problems from the outside. And this is where he really struggles is when you start blitzing him from the second and the third level. And really, I mean, it's been awful this year as well. He's getting blitzed from the top level as well. It causes him to open this uh, to to open at the top of his drop in the wrong direction, and when he does that, his mechanics completely go off kilter, and that's why you're seeing so many errant throws and so many problems in his mechanics. And in a lot of ways, you you hoped that Bill O'Brien coming in was going to fix a lot of that because we've seen this from Mac now really a lot of last year, and even in the elements of his rookie season in which he performed relatively well when he had difficulty. It was always that second and third level that tripped him up. Last year, we saw all three levels come after him, and this year we're seeing it again, and we're just not seeing enough improvement from Jones in order to warrant him con to continue to be out there. So, yeah, I think that's an excellent um, observation, especially from someone that doesn't regularly watch the Patriots. It's nice to know that the stuff we're seeing on a weekly, <laughs> daily basis is being picked up around the league as well, uh, and I don't think it's really a, uh, a secret. As like I said, as to why you're seeing a new guy under center this weekend. So, do you expect them to run similar routes and similar concepts with Bailey Zappi? Are they going to try to get the ball down the field with him? Is it they're going to try to simplify and keep it short? What, what do you expect on Sunday? 
I think they're going to do a little bit of both. I think they're going to simplify and keep it short. I would like to say that the Patriots may take a few more shots downfield with Bailey Zappi in there. Because technically, I think his arm is a little stronger than Mac Jones. But the problem is, Bailey has not shown on a consistent basis that he's able to get the ball downfield. He's also having problems picking up his reads. Um, he didn't complete a pass over five yards on Sunday, last Sunday, excuse me, uh, in mop-up duty uh, when he came in. Um, it's very difficult to say that this team is going to be able to move the ball with a lot of effectiveness on a regular basis. Now, you have the small sample size of what he did last season. That was in a very simplified version of the Patriots offense. And Bailey ran it well. The problem with trying to replicate that is teams are going to recognize it right off the bat, where you kind of caught them off guard a little bit last year, especially in the games against Detroit and Cleveland, where he played very well. These were issues that uh, started to pop up in training camp, in preseason. It actually led to his release at the end of training camp, and then he ended up coming back. So I'm cautiously optimistic that the Patriots may be able to find a little more rhythm under Bailey Zappi, but I would not look for any drastic changes or any type of really big uh, um, departures from what they've done schematically so far. I just think they'll run a more simplified version and maybe on occasion try to catch the defense off guard, but it's going to be more of the same uh, of what you've seen, maybe just a little more consistency. And if Bailey plays with a little more confidence, you can probably expect to see fewer turnovers and more completions. But other than that, this Patriots offense is still a ways away uh, from being a competent NFL group. It seemed pretty stagnant to me. Uh, not a lot of pre-stat motion, not a lot of misdirection, um, not a lot of creativity, period. Uh, very mm. stagnant, very predictable, very vanilla. And I don't know if that's a function of what they have to do for Mac Jones to understand what's going on and now Zappy, or if it's just how they want to run the offense. But it just seems very... Um, predictable and it's easy yeah. to get bogged down um what i did notice is it seems like the offensive line is playing pretty well they have a lot of success running the ball inside um a lot of a lot of runs behind their guards who are playing pretty well for the most part um a pretty diverse running game they run outside they run outside zone inside zone i saw some power some traps things like that so they're pretty well rounded in the running game and it seems like i would expect them to come out and try to run the ball down the chargers throats with some of the trouble troubles the charters have had stopping the run what do you what do you think about that yeah i think they're going to try to do that as well and look you look at what the new england patriots do well and that is from the football and you need a competent offensive line to do that for the first time all season the patriots i believe will field maybe their best unit that they have to date this sunday against the chargers trent brown is still battling some injuries but when he is in there he is someone that can give you a large presence on the on the blind side. So if you're worried about Bailey Zappi's protection, Trent should be able to do that. And a Wayne can do it on the right side. Now you're looking at this interior of the Patriots offensive line and being able to block effectively and spring guys like Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott. They've been pushing the line of scrimmage and they've been doing a very good job of that. They have to continue to challenge this Chargers defensive front. If they can do that successfully, regularly Ramondre showed enough to be able to break tackles to be able to utilize his strengths power run when he needs to but also be able to turn on his speed and be able to get out and Ezekiel Elliott has been a phenomenal complement in the backfield all season long not getting necessarily the looks he should because of the Patriots problems up front 
But now that the line has figured some things out, he's getting additional touches as well. New England's going to be a very heavy run, uh, you know, first team on Sunday. And you know the Chargers are going to be ready for that. So to me, I think that's a key matchup to watch. Can the Chargers keep this team from running the football early? If they do, it's going to be a long day in Foxborough for the home team. Yeah, I, um, I'm curious. How are teams going about pressuring Patriots quarterbacks right now? It seems I saw some some struggles from Cole Strange with swim moves and and outside counters, mm-hmm. um, maybe some stunts and games, things like that. The occasional blitz. How are teams having success getting to the Patriots quarterbacks um, and attacking the offensive line? Yeah, you're getting a lot of it from the second level of the defense, basically. The team that have had most success against Mac and even against Bailey, because we saw him pressure a little bit last weekend. Um, these guys are getting out. They're getting in front. They're utilizing uh, mismatches when it comes to having either blocking problems from the offensive line, uh, utilizing mismatches when the tight ends have to get into uh, to block as well. And that's where linebackers at the second level are pinning their ears back and getting to Mac. You're also seeing some of it come from the third level, which the secondary, the safeties, they've been able to get after him a little bit. And again, it goes back to what I talked about before. It it allows the defenders to be able to force the quarterback, the Patriots quarterback, in this case, Mac Jones, to go in the wrong direction, to open the, the, in the wrong direction, to forget where they need to be, or and not necessarily forget, but confuse them to the point where they're not sure exactly where their receiver is going to be at any given time. They try to make up for it on the fly, but it hasn't been successful. So that I think is where the Chargers are going to look to try to put some uh, you know, difficulty and really I think try to put a great deal of pressure on Bailey Zappi on Sunday. Uh, Khalil Mack is playing in another level uh, right now, and I expect him to be a huge problem for this New England Patriots offensive line to contain. Um, if he starts getting his hands on Bailey, it's going to be a really, really long day for New England. Um, but I also look for someone like a Derwin James who's capable of doing so much in that backfield. Um, I would look for him to maybe uh, uh, be someone that could possibly get pressure on Bailey as well because this team is well-suited up front right now to try to withstand what the pass rush is given. But uh, from the second and third level, uh, that's where this, that's where they really have their big difficulty. Yeah, I don't know if you're aware, the Chargers have moved Derwin to the slot in recent weeks. Uh, Last week, he played almost exclusively in the slot. The week before that, he was in the slot and he played some deep safety and some box safety. So they're trying to get him closer to the line of scrimmage. They can use him as a blitzer more often. Mm -hmm. Saw some flashes of that against Baltimore last week. I think they might be more inclined to go that route with the blitz and Derwin this week, just because... Mm -hmm. I don't really see any of the Patriots weapons standing out as somebody they have to worry about matching up with Derwin. It's not like they need Derwin in coverage to shut down a Zay Flowers or whoever it might be. I feel like the Chargers can match up pretty well with the skill players for for New England, which is not something we've said at all this year because their secondary, actually their second and third levels are awful. Mm. They've been really bad all season. Um, but this seems like a matchup where they can kind of put eight in the box and they can dare the Patriots to beat them deep and hopefully play some tight man coverage and just smother the Patriots wide receivers because without Demario Douglas, it just doesn't seem like there's anybody that you really have to worry about getting to the second and third level of defense on this offense in this skill room. 
Yeah, absolutely. The only other guy on the roster that I would say they'd really have to watch for would have been Keishon Boothay, and he's going to be out as well. So I think that's an excellent point. And yeah, I did see a little bit of uh, Derwin mixing up a little bit. I didn't realize he was utilized that heavily um, in the slot as well, but it makes sense given his skill set. But I agree with you. I think if they do use him as someone that can pin his ears back at after the quarterback, it's a much more better resource um, to try to nip it at the bud than rather uh, spend an extra body trying to contain pass catchers, which right now are very few and far between. New England has not had that much success uh, with guys getting open and getting uh, significant yards after the catch, something no one expected when Bill O'Brien took the reins here as offensive coordinator. That's what he's predicated on, simply has not happened. Yeah, I think you'll be surprised when you see some of the coverages the Chargers run too. One of the reasons they've been so bad is they play a lot of quarters, almost – they a majority quarters and you'll see them play some cover six as well. And they'll give eight to 10 yard cushions on third and two. Hmm. Um, They're so afraid of getting beat deep that they're, they're just playing way off and allowing easy completions in front of them. And they're not very good tacklers as a group Hmm. at the second or third levels. So they're just struggling with big plays. Um, This might, this could be a week, even though I don't think the skill players are all that great for the Patriots. This could very well be a week where you see guys wide open in the middle of the field, up the seams, things of that nature, just because it's what the Chargers have done almost all year with really the exception of maybe three or four games. Um, They've really had a hard time covering anybody. Well, that's interesting. And the reason why I say that's interesting is because one of the big problems and one of the big things that you're hearing out of New England's camp is that open receivers are consistently being missed by Mac Jones. Now, does that mean the coverages are different? And does that mean he's not adapting properly or fixating on one area and not seeing the entire field? Yeah, that could be a case. If Bailey Zappi is better at field vision, and Patriots fans are certainly hoping that he is, that could be an area where Bailey might want to exploit. So that's something to watch because the Patriots pass catchers are not necessarily pass catchers that will get open on their own, but they can be led open with the proper quarterback. That's why it puts a lot of pressure on Bailey Zappi as well. If these guys are open on their own, maybe he can start hitting some of these targets that have been forsaken by Mac within the last few weeks, uh, things that could have led to much bigger plays than what the Patriots had to settle for. So I think that's an interesting point as well. I'm glad that you made that. So let's talk a little bit about the Patriots defense. Uh, Mm -hmm. One thing that stood out to me watching the games was their secondary is not only disciplined, but very versatile. It seems Mm -hmm. like everybody can play pretty much any position in the secondary. You know, you mentioned peppers earlier playing corner, playing slot, playing linebacker, box safety, free safety. Um, And it seems like maybe with the exception of JC Jackson, everybody in that secondary can do that. I mean, I saw Miles Bryant play all over the place. Duggar's playing free safety. He's playing in the slot. He's playing strong safety. Peppers is doing that. Um, who else? Uh, Jalen Mills plays all over the place. Yeah. They seem to be getting a lot out of a relatively unknown secondary group. So what what are they doing well? Um, what can we expect from a coverage standpoint? Uh, what What's going on with that secondary? How are they getting so much out of those guys? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's versatility. And that's what Bill Belichick values in his secondary. And really, I think this has been something that has always been a quiet strength of a Patriots defensive backfield. 
strong shutdown corner that is the alpha leader of that group. Not necessarily vocally an alpha leader or a captain, but someone that is always going to take the attention of either the top weapon on offense or the opposing team or the number two option, someone that you don't want to beat you. It's been that way since the days of Ty Law, and then you mix in you know, guys like um, Darrell Revis, who had a cup of coffee here in New England for a little while, won a Super Bowl. Um, Asante Samuel uh, is someone that has a little bit of an acrimonious relationship with the franchise, but you cannot deny the great job that he did here as a cover corner, one of the best in franchise history. Then you get Stephon Gilmore. Now you expected that guy to be Christian Gonzalez. He wasn't there any longer. So the Patriots were, I guess, fortunate in their regard. Uh, I guess Chargers fans would probably say they were fortunate to dump JC as well. Um, I know there's no love loss there, and there shouldn't be, judging by the things that I've read that went on with JC in uh, Los Angeles. But he's much more, I think, comfortable in this system because it allows him to be that ball hawking number one type corner, especially in the absence of Christian Gonzalez. But the other guys are so well adept at being able to play multiple positions. Jalen Mills gets out there. He's played corner. He's played slot corner. He's played perimeter. He's played uh, the free and the box safety. Like you mentioned, Jabril Peppers is someone who's played all over the formation. Somebody we haven't even mentioned that's a former Charger and one of my favorite players on this team is Adrian Phillips. And I think this may be a game where you may see a little bit more Adrian. And you mentioned earlier about defense and what makes this team so successful. It's being able to have so many versatile players that when you have a dual threat or a versatile weapon on the opposite side of the ball, like the Chargers have in Austin Eckler, you can dedicate a full cover defender to him. And I think you're going to see that from New England tomorrow. That's something they've done in the past with Austin. I know he's had his issues with fumbles lately. And I also know that there have been uh, some regression since the injury at the beginning of the year that kept him out a few games. But I can tell you that Bill Belichick still respects his game to the absolute height. And if you're going to do that, you need to make sure that a guy who's versatile himself has the ability to cover. Adrian's someone who's the star position at the safety. He can move all around the formation. Didn't see his, him play as much safety in Los Angeles and San Diego as you saw him play the last couple of years in New England. Jabril Pepper's emergence has really relegated him to kind of mop-up duty and very few snaps, few and far between. But that doesn't mean there's still not a great deal of confidence in that room. I think you might see Adrian help out and defend a little on Austin tomorrow because especially if Keenan Allen is going to be banged up, we're not completely sure, I guess at the time we're recording this, whether or not he's going to go or not listed as questionable officially. If that's the case, does that free up Jonathan Jones to be able to help out uh, with the receivers a little bit more? New England's got their work cut out for them, but they are well situated with versatile players that can play all over. And again, Jones is another one. He started as a safety at Auburn, so he knows all about playing multiple positions in that backfield. It's simply what Bill Belichick just does. <laughs> Man, I wish the Chargers could do that. They've had so many issues in the secondary at safety. Uh, really, like I said, at the at the second and third levels, they've had a lot of issues. No, I mean, they even have the same issues on offense. There is no versatility. There is no flexibility. It's It seems like everybody is redundant in one way or another to each other they overlap in some way and they just don't have an answer when somebody's struggling and guys are playing out of position constantly um you mentioned adrian phillips he's a guy that chargers fans loved and they were very disappointed to see him get signed away he was a guy who i mean he's really 
you talk about being a self-made man in the NFL. Adrian mm -hmm. Phillips is a self-made man. I think he was cut 10 or 12 times by the Chargers before he finally caught on permanently and got that contract from the Patriots. Um, and his play, trying to think of what season that was, 2016, 2017, they started playing more nickel under Gus Bradley, and they got uh, Phillips on the field basically on second and third down, and he transformed their third down defense. Mm. Um, like you said, they'd man him up on the running back. He'd follow the running back all over the place and make plays all over the field. He was phenomenal. We were all sad to see him go, and I saw him pop up in one of the games recently. I'm not sure if it was the Colts game. He was on the field quite a bit, and it seemed like he might have been out there shadowing Jonathan Taylor. So, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that was um, that was his greatest uh, or his, his largest snap count to date uh, this season. Um, again, the emergence of Peppers and the crowd in that backfield has prevented him from seeing time, but – Adrian is someone I've loved covering since the moment he came through the door here in New England and just a, um, uh, a jack-of-all-trades Swiss Army knife that you can always depend on. And I still think he's the best guy in that secondary to be able to stop what Austin does well because he can run and he can – He's I think this year, and correct me if I'm wrong uh, because, I mean, you see this team a lot more than I have, but it seems like Austin is even more effective as a pass catcher rather than a rusher this year that injury to Corey Lindsley has definitely hurt the Chargers' ability or that offensive line to open holes for a running back. And I know Austin's been hampered by the injury and he hasn't been the same player, but um, it seems like that's contributed to him being utilized, I think, more as a pass catcher than a running back. I mean, that's kind of always been his thing. I mean, he was effective as a running back, but he caught over 100 passes last year. And I think he yeah. had 80 catches the year before that. So yeah, it was a career high for him last year. Yeah. 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 So his thing has always been catching those swing passes, the screens. He's actually always been a really good route runner out of the backfield. They could put him in the slot and have him run routes at times they have when they've been banged up at, at wide receiver, they've had him play some slot. So he's a guy they like to move around. I think what you'll see, if you haven't seen a lot of him this year, you'll see he's, I hate to use this word, but I think he's diminished at this point. Mm. Um, the ankle injury definitely is playing a factor. Uh, he's not cutting, keeping his feet under him very well. Uh, change of direction has been an issue. You're seeing him slipping, running routes now, the fumble issues, and he just doesn't seem to be seeing holes when he's being asked to run the ball. I think sometimes they're there and he's just not finding yeah, them. Um, so it just seems like, you know, after a long battle for his con trying to get his contract redone, in the off season and potentially get traded. Uh, it just seems like everything got off to a bad start for him off season wise into the, into training camp. And he just hasn't been the same guy. And I don't know if he's going to bounce back or not. So you might, you might be a little surprised at what you see from him. Mm, um, that's a good point. This week. Yeah, that is a good point because someone who's always, I mean, in this area, they've always held guys like Austin and especially even Keenan Allen and goes back to guys like Hunter Henry and Adrian Phillips. I mean, when Bill Belichick spends time during one of his press conferences touting the discipline and touting the fundamentals of your opponent, you know that opponent's doing something right. And you hear that a lot from Chargers. You hear that a lot from Bill about Chargers players. And when you see guys struggle especially from someone coming in that's, you know, a Patriots, uh, you know, beat writer or a Patriots analyst, someone that is not seeing these things every day, you're thinking immediately, oh, well, it's probably the injury. It's probably this. But when you say that the cuts are not, are not happening the way they're supposed to, him getting his feet, he's not seeing the holes the way he should. 
those are concerns for a team. There's no question about it. So that's excellent insight. And yeah, that would be a little bit of a surprise. But I also think it plays into the fact that if they are worried about what he could do if given the opportunity, pairing him with someone like Phillips, who was a former teammate, he did play alongside uh, Austin for a couple of years. These guys saw each other in practice. So that familiarity right then and there might be something that uh, that uh, Belichick wants to keep an eye on on uh, Sunday as well, because you know the converse is true. You know those guys over in the secondary on the Chargers and that uh, defensive front know Hunter Henry pretty well from the job that he did in uh, Los Angeles for a few years. Um, you know they're going to want to try to keep him a little more quiet on Sunday than normal. <laughs> did you say Bill Belichick's been praising the Chargers' discipline? He's been – well, I don't want to say as a collective team. I'm not going to go that far. But there are certain players that Bill Belichick has fallen in love with over the years in terms of their own discipline to their own game. I've heard him refer to Keenan Allen as one of the most gifted route runners he's ever seen on a football field. And he's right. Keenan Allen is one of the most dynamic route that, runners right? I've ever seen. Hunter Henry, he's called one of the most versatile tight ends he's ever seen on a football field. Now, you can make the argument maybe he's – you know posturing a little bit I don't know but it's funny that he had nothing but glowing things to say about Hunter every single time he took the microphone and then when Hunter became a free agent Patriots swooped in and they got him so Bill Belichick has always had those guys in regard you mentioned the versatility and the discipline and the self-made um motivation that you saw from Adrian Phillips that's why he is a New England Patriot and he's had very similar things to say about Austin Eckler all throughout which is why I actually wrote an article last year for Sports Illustrated detailing the fact that if Austin was looking to be traded New England might be an underlier that a lot of people didn't agree with but it made a lot of sense in terms of the type of fit that he would be here because Bill Belichick loves versatile weapons but Judging on what you're telling me now, yeah, that may have passed its prime, but uh, at the time it seemed like uh, you know a, a decent possibility. So yeah, Bill is definitely a fan of guys that have certain skill sets that he admires. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's not really a collective thing. Sorry. Yeah, James. definitely not a collective thing based on the way <laughs> things have been going. Um, so we talked about the secondary. I, I know the Chargers are going to want to try to run the ball against the Patriots. Um, how have teams been having success running the ball against the Patriots? To be honest, the Patriots' run defense has actually been much better than it has been in years. I mean, um, you know, they've uh, coming off of uh, being able to control Saquon Barkley. They're eighth in the league. They're allowing just 94.1 yards per game on the ground. Uh, they lead the league with a 3.4 yard average allowed per rush. Now, those types of numbers really are not indicative of what we thought we were going to see from a Patriots uh, defense this year. But Lawrence Guy, Devon Gajow, Christian Barmore, Dietrich Wise, these guys have been very good about using their strengths in the interior of that defensive line to really clog the middle. And Wise has been an excellent source on the edge. So he's been someone that has really chipped in with run defense. He hasn't necessarily been the you know, the, the pass rusher that everyone thought that they were going to uh, to see from him this season. I think the loss of Matthew Judon hurt him an awful lot, but he's been excellent in really kind of redirecting his uh, goals and redirecting his uh, abilities into the run defense. And I also want to give a tip of the cap to guys like Juwan Bentley and Jelani Tavai, who have been excellent in being able to keep, uh, you know, opposing rushers at bay. So this is a tough team to run against. Um they can be had, obviously, if you use 
the ability to maybe confuse the guys at the line a little bit. Again, versatility helps. So if they do want to deploy someone like an Austin Eckler in a pass catching role, maybe use him a little bit more as a rusher, uh, you know, later on in the game, that could be an option as well. But this is not going to be an easy team to run against. Uh, the, the Patriots run defense has actually been pretty good this year. How has Keon White been playing this year? Uh, from what we've seen from Keon, we're seeing a lot of seedlings of a guy that I think is going to be a cornerstone of this defense for years to come. Look, I think he projects as that five-tech type of player that can really play all over the field. He can rush the passer. He can be uh, a very good complement in run defense. He even has the versatility and the athleticism to be able to drop back into coverage. Now, you don't see that much, but he does have the ability to do it. He's done it a few times this year. Keon needs to learn a little bit of discipline. Uh, he's whistled, I think, a little more than Patriots fans would like to see him. Um, not necessarily in volume, but at the time that he's whistled, it usually doesn't come at the best of times for New England. Uh, you can get him uh, off-tempered a little bit, and that can lead to some things uh, from Keon. But he's one of my favorite draft picks that the Patriots have. Obviously, Gonzalez never got a chance to come to fruition this year. I still think he's as solid as they come, and I can't wait to see him continue what his what little bit we saw of rookie prowess this year into his second season. But Keon White is someone that you can build around. I love what I've seen from him. He's not going to be a difference maker this year, which means I don't think you're going to see him make huge difference in the outcome of this game tomorrow, but keep an eye on him because he'll make plays here and there that'll show you the prowess that the Patriots saw in him when they took him in the second round out of Georgia Tech. It seems like the Patriots like to blitz from the third level of their defense quite a bit, use the mm -hmm. creeper kind of zone blitz kind of concept and play a lot of man coverage and just trust their guys to cover. Um, where is the pressure coming from? Are they having success getting to quarterbacks right now? And are they having to rely on the blitz a lot? Yeah, they're having to rely on the blitz to get pressure. Look, pressure is not necessarily the problem. Guys have been able to pressure the quarterback. Christian Barmore has been excellent in that department this year. It's getting home and being able to sack the quarterback, being able to put him on his heels. That's where they've missed Matthew Judon. And that is really, there's no way that you can replicate what Matthew Judon brought to this defense. He was always someone that was in position to be able to make life difficult for opposing quarterbacks and make sure that the pressure that you apply is is rewarded and you're able to prevent guys from being able to either throw the ball away or make completions on the second and third attempts. Um, it's It's been a challenge for the Patriots. It's been a double-edged sword because the pressure has been okay, but in terms of sacks and volume, uh, this team has been nowhere near what it has been in the past. Um, again, without Judon, Josh Uche has regressed and has not been the same type of player that we're used to seeing. So against a guy like Justin Herbert, it's going to be so difficult for the Patriots to be able to reconcile that type of regression and show that they can still get after and make life difficult for him. Last couple of weeks, uh, the Patriots have been fortunate in not necessarily playing guys that are at the top of the heap when it comes to being able to complete passes and, you know, regardless of any situation, they're going to face one this Sunday and it's going to be a problem for the Patriots in order to be a play through it. How is Herbert seen by New England fans? He, uh, he's kind of, for whatever reason, he's become kind of a um, polarizing figure in the NFL. People either seem to love him or they want to kill him for whatever they think his shortcomings are. So what, how do New England fans see Herbert? 
Uh, I think there's a, a lot of respect for Justin in his game. Look, you look at the way he's predicated, what he does well. Uh, these are values that really I think any quarterback needy team looks at and would say we'd love to have a guy that comes in that can make you know sound decisions like he can that can complete passes and not turn the ball over routinely um again you have to remember what patriots fans are seeing at the quarterback position this year so anything is going to look like a step up and it pains me to say that because i mean these are human beings i'm talking about that are calling signals for new england but it's just been a very difficult year for pats fans this year but look there's also the notion that he can be forced into mistakes if you show him difficult looks if there are situations where the Patriots pass rush is able to get active and you can apply pressure Bill Belichick knows enough in his defense and especially his secondary where they can make life difficult for those second and third levels those pass catchers that get open either in the uh, either in the end zone in the red zone or in the open field so I think there's a ton of respect for Justin but I also don't look or I don't see the same type of maybe reverence that they would have for a guy like Mahomes coming in here in a couple of weeks or whatnot. I think they still see Justin as an elite quarterback, but not one that's going to monopolize their entirety of the focus on their defense. I think they look at the Chargers as more of a team where it's going to be the running back and the, the the pass catchers, the tight ends, and Justin leading the way uh, in order for that to be effective. But again, um, this is a guy that can take you apart if you give him the opportunity to do it. The Pats have to be ready for it. So how the fans look at him is one thing, but I can guarantee you not one person in that locker room is taking him lightly. Everyone I talked to this week had nothing but glowing things and really um, highest compliments uh, for Justin Herbert. I think what you're going to see from the Chargers offense this week is a lack of playmakers. It's mm-hmm. been a big problem for them. Um, if Keenan's on the field, that changes a little bit. Obviously you mentioned he's right. one of the top two or three route runners in the NFL, if not the best. Um, but other than him with Mike Williams out, they're really struggling finding ways to get guys open. Williams being out, Josh Palmer being out. Josh Palmer too. Yeah. Those are that's a big challenge for this offense. They they haven't figured out how to get Gerald Everett involved on a consistent basis. You'll see him flash for two or three plays a game and then disappear. Um, they've been trying to get Quentin Johnston involved, but they're using him like a jump ball wide receiver, trying to get him 50-50 opportunities. It's not what he does well, and he's not catching the ball well. And right now he looks like he doesn't want any part of having the ball thrown his way. Mm. Um they're having a hard time getting open, creating separation on a consistent basis. And it's leading to Justin staring Keenan down and trying to force throws to him. So I I think what you'll see is probably some coverage sacks at times, Mm -hmm. Uh, Justin holding the ball, waiting for guys to come open instead of anticipating openings and throwing guys open. Uh, That's been kind of a, a bugaboo for him this year at times. Um, And then on gotta have it downs third and long, um, especially towards the end of the game, it doesn't take much to get to him. Mm. All they got to do is send some, send an extra guy or two from one side of the line. They're going to confuse the blocking scheme and they're going to get home. You see it every week at the end of the game, they've got to have it down. They've got to have a drive overload one side, send four guys on one side. Somebody's going to, you're going to get a free runner because the Chargers just can't handle it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's very well said. And look, I think in a lot of ways, uh, the Patriots can relate on, uh, you know, players that 
may flash a little bit and then disappear. You mentioned the tight ends. I think you're seeing that in New England. Mike Kosecki, you'll see him flash for a, uh, you know, a, a period, and then all of a sudden things are not going well there. Uh, last week there was a very big disconnect between he and Mike Kosecki about the correct route being run and Kosicki was, you know, running runway and Mac was throwing the ball the other. Uh, these are difficulties uh, that really um, you don't usually see in New England. And Farrell Brown has been one of their best gadget players. He's been one of their best chunk play guys that can get you big yardage uh, with the exception of a couple of games where he's been able to uh, make a difference on offensive drives. He's almost completely disappeared other than being a sound run blocker. You're not seeing much of him. So I think Pats fans can really relate to that. Uh, in terms of not having the proper weapons to get open and to make life easier on your quarterback. Um, I know it stings a little bit more in Los Angeles because the talent level at quarterback is much different in your room than it is here in New England right now. But uh, I think that's that same concept still stings no matter what situation you're in offensively. Definitely. I, I can agree with that. Um, all right. Well, let's let's do a quick prediction. What What do you think happens tomorrow? Well, I think you're going to see New England come out a little bit on the aggressive side, on the offensive side of the ball. I think they feel they have something to prove, um, that maybe this change was something Bill Belichick needed to make and that the Patriots still have some talent on that side of the ball. But I don't think you're going to see enough of it or enough of it consistently in order for them to get the win. I think the Chargers can be kept at bay. I'm not going to say that they're going to come in and be able to run roughshod over this defense. I think the Pats defense is a little bit too good to allow that on their home field, but I think this is going to be a close one. Maybe seesaw matchup back and forth at times. I like the Chargers in this one by a field goal. I think they take it 20 to 17. Um, again, I just think there's too much talent out on the visitors side of the bench right now for New England to be able to pull this off. But I, I think they will, I, in terms of the Patriots, I think they'll look a little more disciplined tomorrow, which is why I think they'll be uh, in the hunt for the, uh, the majority of the game. So I I kind of think the Patriots are going to try to, quote-unquote, take the air out of the football. I think they're going to try to keep Herbert off the field and on the sideline by running the ball, and they're going to try to keep it close. Um, my guess is the Chargers are going to be emboldened by Bailey Zappi starting, quarter, starting a quarterback and be on the attack. Um mm-hmm kind of like what you saw them do against the bears and against the jets where they had no respect for the quarterback play. And they just throttled those teams with their pass rush and blitzes. And they were, Mm. you know, they, they attacked the quarterbacks with reckless abandon because they knew they couldn't hurt them. Um, And I think we'll see some of that from the chargers on Sunday. I think it'll be close for most of the game because every game the chargers play is close, no matter who they play for the most part. (laughs) Um, but I have a feeling this is going to come down to a couple of late turnovers on short fields by Bailey Zappi. I just think they're going to get to him. You're probably going to see a sack fumble, maybe a pick, set the Chargers up in good field position. I think the Chargers probably win this by two scores late. I'll say 24 to 10. Mm. I I just don't think... I would be very upset if the Patriots scored more than 10 to 17 points in this game. 
<laughs> yeah, and I, I, don't think I would should. be surprised. And I would be surprised if they scored more than 17. I'm going with 17 on this because I think they'll find a little spark early that is going to allow them to run the football effective enough uh, to be able to get maybe one more score than they really deserve. But, yeah, I would be surprised if it went over 17 for New England at this point. So I can see where you're coming from. Uh, this is, again, a team that is looking for an identity, and I'm not sure – they're ready to find it making making a simple quarterback change right now. They're still a long ways away, and they're not just one player away from turning things around. So um, another long season <laughs> uh, for uh, the New England Patriots. And, um, you know, considering the goodwill that they had up here for about two-plus decades, again, everything uh, is secular and uh, uh, circular, I should say, and are cyclical. Yeah, cyclical, I guess, is the best way for me to put it. Uh, yeah, it's um, – lean times here in <laughs> all right mike well listen i really appreciate you coming on um i thought it was a great show and a great chat i hope you enjoyed it absolutely i definitely did uh the, uh, the chargers are always a fun team to evaluate again because of the personalities that they have both on offense and on defense uh but just the way that they go about doing their business whether it's a great year or whether it's a a troubled year it's it's always fun to break this team down because of uh, the talent that they have and uh you do a great job here on this pod you certainly know your football i'm really honored that you asked me to come on today and uh thank you uh it really was a pleasure and i enjoyed this very much well thanks i appreciate the kind words and i really appreciate your time i'll uh, i'll let you get back to your saturday now and your family so thank you very much <laughs> i appreciate it and um we are done. So thanks everybody for tuning in. We appreciate it. And we will see you guys after the game on Sunday for after hours. <laughs>